0: Welcome to the Storytellers Live Podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories. Some are profound and challenging, while others are more common and relatable, shared with honesty and humor. But all of these stories reveal what God can do in our lives when we trust Him with the details. Thanks for joining us. Everyone, this is your host Kelly from the Storytellers Live team. On each episode, you'll hear a different woman share her story of God's transforming love. These stories are recorded in a live setting at weekly local gatherings, where we're aiming to build community through sharing, connecting, and encouraging one another. Most importantly, these stories reveal the faithfulness of God and how He can take what's ordinary and broken and exchange it for extraordinary and redeemed. This week's podcast comes from the fall kickoff of our Birmingham 280 community. On today's episode, our storyteller Mandy tells us how a precious yet unexpected gift from God was a catalyst to new life, new hope, and new opportunities. She also shares how that beautiful gift ultimately led to reconciliation with her past. As she says, only God can mend all things that are broken. Here's Mandy.
1: Thank you so much for that and my friend my dear friend Michelle get called and prayed over me this morning and I'm gonna try not to get so weepy so early because there's plenty of plenty of tears coming but she had just such a beautiful thought and she said uh, as she prayed, Lord I don't even really want to remember what I I said and what I'm saying I just want it to just be just the Holy Spirit coming through me so I just want to honor you Lord and um, thank you for being here today and I also wanted to honor Amy and these precious girls and this team and my friends and y'all have been such an encouragement to me and I do have such a peace about it this morning thank you for opening up your home Amy, and thank you for being such a good friend to me and so fast, fast friends we have become. So thank you so much. So. My story starts out. I grew up in Tennessee. Do y'all know where Sevierville, Tennessee, is? Anybody been to Sevierville? So it's um, Great Smoky Mountains National Park, and it was really. A, I mean, I had a charmed childhood. If there, if I were going to, you know, describe my childhood in a couple of words, one of them would be enriched. I was. I had a very enriched childhood. I grew up hiking and fishing and camping, and my dad would teach us how to pitch tents and teach us, you know, you know, wildlife safety and you know, walking through the woods, and he's like, you yeah. know. You can see the spider webs nest. Don't you know? So we knew. I just knew a lot about a lot growing up, just living in that environment, and um, also had such the privilege to learn up growing how to snow ski, because my grandfather uh, came to the United States in the late '60s from Switzerland with just a few hundred bucks in his pocket, and he uh, was really responsible alongside. Um, a couple of other gentlemen, um, Claude Anders and his sons, uh, to bringing tourism to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, in the 70s, um, because they developed over Gatlinburg, and so uh, Mr. Anders and his family uh, developed over Gatlinburg, and then my grandfather somehow through connections, and Ger- they're all German and Swiss, and um, which is not German and Swiss is it's not, like not the same. But I was always taught that growing up, we're Swiss, we're Swiss. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, so, but it, you know, so I. I grew up snow skiing too, so I learned how to snow ski and there's an ice rink up there. So my my sister and I were competitive ice skaters growing up and um, just really there's so much beauty and so much richness to uh, my childhood story. Um, But at the same time, just like every family, we had um, our issues, and my parents actually met, my dad is very, very proud of his Southern roots, like very, very proud of his Southern roots, and he was a Southern boy, but um, my mom is from New Jersey, so I'm kind of this fireball personality of just very, very black, you know, American by birth, but Southern by the grace of God, (laughs) but then I've got, like, this New Jersey, like, I'll scissor kick you, you know what I mean? Like so I've got like all of it in one you know I'm like it's not the truth like they're all like yeah that's who she is um, so but my parents met in the 70s uh, my mother had uh, my sister we don't say the word half sister she says my sister when um, my mom was very young at 19 so my dad and her met when my sister was 9 months old and my Father had two children as well as a teenage as a teenager. So they had, you know, I guess if you were going to, you know, have a list of things that you want to do before you get married and a list of things that you don't want to do before you get married, like they had their their list of things you don't want to do entering into a marriage probably outweighed. And I honor my parents today uh, for trying, you know, for trying to do the right thing in terms of getting married. But it was just they had a lot of a lot of things stacked against them at that in the 70s, um, my mom had come down to visit my grandmother, who was living in Tennessee at the time, and that's when she met my dad, and she said, uh, your dad had on, like, legitimate bell-bottoms. He was a drummer in a band, mm-hmm. and so he had, like, bell-bottoms, like, tight. She was like, they were tight with clogs. He was wearing, like, high heels <laughs> and, like, big hair, and um, I'll, I'll send a picture um, around of my dad in just a minute, but... Um, he was raised by a man who was actually like this nuclear scientist, a very, very smart man. And, um, in Tennessee, he had come from Cal- the, um, my grandfather Vaughn had come from California and met my grandmother who was in the, like Appalachia. Like they lived in a one room cabin in Gatlinburg and Cades Cove. And that's where they were raised. And they, he met her and married her and had my, um, my dad and his three siblings, my aunt and my two uncles were there very brilliant, smart, and my dad really never found his way He in that family. I think it was a struggle for him because they were so smart, and my grandfather was brilliant, genius, and that you know, my, my dad would never measure up to what my grandfather's expectations of him were. So there was some abuse that went on, and just you know speaking words of death over him and just not encouraging him, and I think even some physical abuse as well. And so uh, my grandparents ended up getting a divorce, and um, my, my father just really, I think from just that childhood trauma, just never really figured out his place in the world. And so he was just like, he was the coolest student. If you knew him, you just like, were, like instantly fell in love with him. He would tell us the stories about growing up and how he would like barefoot water ski. <laughs> like, I don't even know like people do that anymore, but like, it's, it, it, like, it's, like he was so talented in so many ways and all the potential in the world to do uh, great things but just carried that, um, that that heart issue with him into his adult years. And so by the time he and my mom got married, um, there was a lot of hurt there, a lot of insecurity. I think if he were alive today, he would say, I was just severely insecure and just not confident and, um, abusive because he had been abused by his father. He took that, he knew that's what he knew. And so he brought that into the marriage. And so there was some jealousy and just, um, a lot of, uh, issues early on in the marriage. And then, um, late seventies, my father was introduced to cocaine at a party. And, um, then that started this, uh, very, uh, d- bad downfall of, of addiction for his whole life up until the day that he died. Um, And so when we were growing up, while we had all those wonderful, great things, we were subjected to a lot of abuse. And so... My mom took the brunt of the abuse from my dad because he was sick. And I think, you know, I think one of the biggest tragedies, but, but God, right, but God, um, of, of my father's life is that he had all of this potential, but he just didn't know. You know, he just didn't know. And also, we just didn't deal with addiction. I think we deal with addiction a little bit better today than we used to deal with addiction. We certainly had, I mean, back in the 90s when, we, when it was the worst of the worst and a lot of, lot of violence, a lot of, lot of hurt, a lot of pain a lot of, you know, my my brother hiding in the closet, just a lot of lot of trauma that we experienced. They just, we, they, we just swept it under the rug. Everybody just swept it under the rug. You just didn't talk about it. You know, it was going on at the house, and you just got up and, you know, you went to school. You got up and you go to work and you do the best you can. My parents um, ended up getting a divorce, and when I was, um, I think, around 12 years old, But the beautiful piece to that, that was what was going on, the but God part, was that my mom would, and I just, whew, I want to just honor my mom right now for just being such a fighter that she, despite everything that she was going through at home, would just take us to church faithfully every week. And we met so many people that surrounded us with love and so many people that, poured into us. It was this tiny little church hall. It was Seventh-day Adventist. You can look it up later. It's, it's Bible-based. It's all about Jesus, but they go on Saturday because it's the seventh day of the week, and that's the day that Jesus rested, which is so funny because, like, Pastor Chris is like, Sabbath is, like, any day, but they're like, nope, it's Saturday, because <laughs> it's Sunday to Saturday, so you go on Saturday. I'm like, okay. Um but uh, we were baptized, my brother and I, um, about this time, my sister went to live with my grandmother. Cause she was like, I'm out, you know, and she was like 15, 16 years old. So, um, she's got a beautiful story to tell too, about how God moved in her life and my brother as well. But, uh, she had gone. And so it was really just me and my brother. And so my mom was taking us to church every week and we got baptized and this beautiful man. And it, it, it when I think back about it, I'm like, did he know, I asked my mom, I'm like, did he know? And she's like, I don't know. But she's like, he just would just keep coming. He would, Come to our house, y'all. And it was so funny because my mom would be like, like, have smoke. It would be like six o'clock at night on Friday. We're like watching Lion King, and she, she's like, smoke. she used to smoke back then 30 years. She's quit smoking. Thank you, Mama. But um, she'd be like smoking a cigarette and drinking a beer. And then, like, the pastor would show up, and she's like, oh! And she's like, fanning it. I'm like, you think that fanning the cigarette smoke and like hiding the beer under the counter? Like, okay. So, anyway, but um, he would show up and he would just pour into us, and he would teach us the old Bible stories and all leading up to Jesus and um, the day. That Jesus was born, oh, the day that love was born, and he um never forget he sat us down one day, me and my brother, and um he said, Mandy, I want to tell you about Jesus now and how how he came to save us from our sins, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And God offers promises to us. He offers promises to us that we're just not gonna get from this world. And because I had a father who tried his very best, but he was very sick. That broke so many promises to me about being there, about, you know, just, there was so much. There was a lot of darkness um, growing up. And because he broke promises... I just wanted to receive those promises. I was so grateful to receive the promises of God that can only come from him. And so I accepted Jesus Christ into my heart. And in 89 or so it was, uh, we were baptized, my brother and I. And I had the baptism pictures because I took a picture of it recently and sent it out to my family. And then, like, in my 40-year-old brain, I've tucked them somewhere. And I was, like, all, like, where could they be? I'm like, are they in the Bible? I don't know. I couldn't find the baptism pictures, but... Um, I wanted to share those with you today because they're super cute. Um, so we, you know, I just put on a good face. I was always just putting on a good face. I was successful in high school. I did did very well. I was, you know, I, don't, I try not to use this word popular with my children because I want them to be um, so deeply rooted in Jesus. I just want them to know that God, it's, it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. I want you to grow in favor and stature with man and God, like Luke two fifty two. just like with Jesus, what he did during that. Time that silence period when from the time he was a little boy till he came on the scene again, I do want them to have favor with man, but I want them to be rooted in God, and naturally that you will have favor with man if you are if your identity is deeply rooted in in, in, in Jesus. And so, but I was popular. I. I did very well. I worked hard. I was smart. And so I, you know, I did, I did, I had a great high school, but that's really where I started to, you know, my downward spiral of making bad choices and partying and, um, living in the world and then living my way. It's interesting because as I was going through the Bible to find the pictures of my brother and I getting baptized, this is a rededication. And Holly, was it you that you were like always rededicating your life to Jesus? Yes. I was like, that's all, like literally like and once I knew the Lord, I loved him so much and I was always making mistakes all the time. But I, then, so I was always like, and then like finally pastor one day, he was like, once you've accepted Jesus, like you don't need to keep telling him that, you know, like you're good, you're good to go. But this is a rededication and it says, Lord, I've made the decision public and now I want it to be genuine in my living too. Help me to begin to understand the real goal you have for me. Give me the courage to make and to follow the kinds of decisions that would show that my life is under your control. And this is January 30th, 1993 at a youth retreat in Ridgecrest, North Carolina, I think it was. And at the, the the truly... Um, ironic thing about this, you know, time is that my life was so not, you know, I, I did not give him the control. I wanted him to have the control, but it wasn't. And so into my high school years, I completely did it my way. I had carried all that trauma and all that hurt and all that baggage from my childhood into my high school and teenage years and just said, listen, if it's not this way, then you can get out of my way. You know, I like can steamroll over you. Yeah. Like I'll do it whatever I want. And in my girlfriend's relationship and my strongest girlfriend's relationship, it was open and honest and lovely and good um, but it was just really in the like the male figures because i feel like i had almost like this vendetta against men like nobody's going to hurt me again nobody's going to control me again nobody's going to disappoint me again and like i'll cut you you know what i mean like just get out of the way um, so um, i graduated high school went to college and then i went to um, the university of tennessee Again, I know, on paper it looked good. I was like doing good. I got a master's degree from the University of Tennessee. but I was um, just a mess. I was an absolute mess. I was just uh, really surviving. I mean, it, again, it looked like I was thriving, but I wasn't living for the Lord. I was living in the world. I was doing what I wanted to do, when I wanted to do it, who I wanted to do it with, making all kinds of bad choices. And God was then at, the way I looked at him then, he was like my genie in the bottle. God, I would just rub the lamp and be like, hey, God, hey, God, can you take, can you make, like, last night not happen? Can you just, like, take that away? Can you just make, like, can you, God, can you please call me back? Can that guy please call me back? Like, I really liked him. Um, you know. God, can I just get it? Can I please pass this class? Lord, just please pass this class. And I was a manager and I worked my way into, um, middle management at Outback Steakhouse. And so I just was always working hard. And I just, you know, just thought if I, if you're just a good person, if you're just a good person and you work hard and you do well and you make money, that that is what you're trying to achieve in life, just success. And, um, I was really just terribly broken. And so I graduate from UT and moved to Atlanta, and that's where I got my first sales job. And I, uh, my little Jessica's back there, and I just worked really hard those years. And in 2006, I went home to uh, for the weekend to visit for the weekend. And um, my sister was way big into Texas Hold'em back in Back in that day, it was, like, I didn't even play card. Like, I would play spades or whatever. But I, like, Texas on I was, like, so disappointed because I was, like, I do not want to go play cards tonight. <laughs> but anyway, I met my now husband there, and so I was glad I... I went, um, God had a different plan, I guess. So we were sitting there and I was just like totally bummed. I did not want to be there. And it, he, he, he recognized that pretty early because I like, I went all in on like, I don't know, pocket tens or something like that. And, and then the lady, the girl's like, why would you do that? And I was like, because I don't want to be here. Yeah. And so I was out sitting there and I'm like, what are we going to do now for like seven hours? while my sister has me at this place. I don't want to be. And, um, and uh, so he came up to me, he's like, Hey, let's go, you wanna get out of here? He's like, I was like, Well aren't you playing? He's like, Nah, I just threw my hand, let's go, let's get out of here. So my sister, as we're walking out the door, she's like, No ma'am, <laughs> no ma'am. He's bad news. He's bad news, like Playboy, no, we're not and I'm like, all right, well, I'll just go have fun and and I'll forget him. So anyway, we went out, we had a wonderful time, he dropped me back off, but I really was going back to Atlanta and I wasn't really ever gonna think about him again. And um so over the course of the year, you know, he did like the whole, hey. <laughs> how you doing? You know, and I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'm doing great. How are you doing? What's up? And so he really just pursued me and pursued me. And, and his story is he's like, I don't know, Mandy, there was just something about you girl. I just needed to know what was inside that mind of yours. girl. I just needed this. I just needed to know more about you. Um, and so we ended up in 2007. He moves, he moves in with me, which again, for, to put all the things you don't do before you get married, we were doing them all. So he moves into, uh, with me in 2007. And Again, I have never reconciled my past at this point. I didn't even know to reconcile my past at this point. I'm just doing my thing. I mean, I'm in my late 20s at this point. I'm just living life. I'm doing well. I'm working at uh, paychecks and and was successful there. And um, but I had all of this baggage in this relationship, and so we just did not know how to fight. We would have terrible knockdown, dragout fights. We would um, just abuse each other verbally. And I was just this. Um, Lion and he would just poke me. He's one, I want to take a minute. I want to just like, give me a minute. Don't, don't, t- don't touch, don't poke me. Don't provoke me. Don't instigate me. Give me a minute. Um, let me breathe. And he wants to go. He's like, oh no, 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 no. You started it and I'm going to finish it. You know, and I'm like, no, no you can't do that because I'm going to scissor kick you. You know what I mean? Like you can't do it. Like leave me alone. Like give me some space. And so we just had, just would have terrible fights and we would just not treat each other well at all. And so a year goes by, and inevitably this relationship is going south fast. And so in September of 2008, we have this um, very, very gnarly fight. I had purchased a home in Atlanta at the time, and uh, we were living in my house. And so it was my house, so you can get your stuff, and you get out of my house. And so I threw, it was like a lifetime Movement, I, y'all, like they literally could have made like the like a scene from this. It was pouring down rain. It was dark and stormy. Like lightning was cracking in the back. And I took all his stuff and just threw it out in the mud. And he was like, you know, like his face was wet. Like it, I, I want to laugh because otherwise I'll cry. But he was like, face is all wet. He's all mad. He's like, you're never gonna see me again. I was like, good. I don't wanna see you again. And so all this his stuff was out there and he's like picking it all up, throwing it in his car. He's all mad. And I was like, good riddance. Bye bye. can't do it. Can't do it. So he couldn't do it with me. So, uh, About six weeks later, so it was Halloween. It was Halloween night. I had gone out with all my friends. I was Dolly Parton because she's my idol. We're best friends. She doesn't know it. (laughs) Dolly, if you're listening, call me. Please call me. Please call me. Um, She's my girl. So I was Dolly Parton that year, and I'd actually called him. And I was like, do you want to be Kenny Rogers? He was like, I don't want you to call me. (laughs) And I was like, fine, I'll get my own Kenny Rogers. I got a line of them. Like, early, not really. I was so sad and broken. Um, but so I go to this party, and then the next day, it was like on a Sunday night, I feel like, which was really weird. But the next morning, I was a sales meeting, 730, Susan, don't be late. Oh, my goodness, this woman, this boss babe, she, I was on the way, like 285 in Atlanta and have to, like, pull over seven lanes of traffic to throw up. <laughs> I was so sick, I'm like, I'm so hungover. And I like call her and tell her, I'm like, I think I've got strep throat. And she's like, Are you sure you just didn't stay out too late last night? I'm like, no, I'm sick in the throat. And it's not, it's not a hangover. And she's like, okay, well, you need to get your tail to the office first thing in the morning. I'm like, I'm good, I'm gonna take a rest, I'm gonna be good. So I just throw up again, like later on that evening. And then I throw up again the next day, and I'm like, what is going on? I'm not drinking right now. Why am I still throwing up? And so I call my mom, I'm like, Mom, what what could it be? Is it, like, stomach issues? Like, what is going on? And she's like, I think you're pregnant. And I was like, no, I am not. Because it's been going on for a while, and it hadn't happened. Plus, I had this adoption thing, I feel like. I need to adopt, and so I'm, like, not having any children. Like, that's, you know, I've always wanted babies. I love babies. I had all the names written out when I was a little girl. And she goes, no, no, I, I think you are. And I went to the store, and I got a pregnancy test, and sure enough, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, okay, all right, we're good. We're going to call him up. We're going to work it out. He's going to come back. We're going to get married. It's going to be happy ever after. It's going to be amazing. And so I, um, my mom comes. I was like, mom, I need you to come. So she comes. She's always come. She's always come to my rescue, my mama, my sweet mama. So she came and she's like, well, let's call him. Okay, thank you. So she goes, let's call him. Let's call him up. Let's tell him. He's going to be awesome. He's going to be He's gonna be ready for this, this news. And so I called him up. I said, hey, can I see you? I've got to tell you something. He's like, what is it? And I was like, I know I just really need to talk to you. We haven't talked to each other, like, really, other than me asking him to be Kenny Rogers <laughs> and him <laughs> completely rejecting me. Um, I haven't seen him in eight weeks. And so he... Um, I meet him at his work, and at this point, I had gone to the doctor in Atlanta, and was it was confirmed. So not just the pregnancy test, but I had been to like North Point or wherever I was at the time, and just got you know. And I will never forget my mom. She was like sitting in there, like we were like life partners. You know what I mean? I'm like, like we're doing this together. She's like. Oh my God. I was like, we're gonna have a baby, and this lady girl, this nurse comes in. She's like, "You're a pregnant girl," and I was like, "No, is it truth? Is it the truth?" She's like, "Yes, aren't you excited?" I was like, "Oh, if you knew this story, you would not be excited for me right now." Um, but my Riley, oh, y'all could have a separate storyteller on my Riley. Um, so we go to his office, and I show him the ultrasound, and he's like what is that? I was like, well, it's an ultrasound, and there's a little baby, you know, and it's our baby, and he was like, oh, well, yeah, wish you wouldn't have just dropped that on me at, like, 9.30 in the morning. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, I just need you to... My mom's, like, sitting right there, and he's like, hey, Deb, and they've always been buds, and, like, to this day, they're best friends. Like, they talk more than, like, I talk to either one of them. (laughs) And so he's like, hey, Deb, and she's like, hey, Mike, and he's like, well, I... don't know what to say, but, you know, I'm, I'm still where I'm at. And that is that, you know, we can't be together. You know, we just are not good for each other. We're toxic. And I, you know, I'll help you. I'll support you. I'll do what I can do, but I can't, I'm not coming back. And so, I mean, right then that moment, I just, I just thought this is not, this is a dream and i know y'all think okay it's not that bad you're having a baby it was it was it was not a dream it was a nightmare i was like sitting at the car just So emotional. I'm pregnant. I'm going to raise this. You know, have this baby alone, and all the things that you think. Oh, this is going to be this. You know, what marriage is supposed to look like. What the society puts on you. This is what you're. The pregnancy pictures, like you know, like in the woods with the hair blowing in the background, and the daddy doing the heart on the belly. And I'm like, I'm not. I'm not going to have any of that. I'm not going to have the heart belly pictures. It was just devastating. I was devastated. And and as this baby grew, and all the things, all the moments the first time the baby moves the you know the the first time you find out like what it is and he was there actually for most of those doctors appointment I will absolutely give him credit because the Lord was calling his heart he's known the Lord all of his life he comes from beautiful beautiful wonderful Christian parents that I get to call the privilege to call my in-laws wonderful people who have just prayed and spoke life and, and taught him about the Lord at such a young age so he's always known the Lord the Lord was calling him to do the right thing but he would Say he was just eating up with pride. Like, nope, I'm not going back. No, I'm going to show her. No, this is not going to happen. I'm not just going to get back together with her just because we're having this baby. So, I would lay at night in just total utter utter despair, and then I would have to go to the sales office the next morning at paychecks, and everybody's all bebopping around and like all like pretty and happy and cheerful, and here I'm like waddling in like pregnant mom, and you know they would be like, oh, are you um. Are you doing okay? Are you are you gonna be okay? And I'm like, yeah, are you kidding? I'm gonna rock this single mom thing. It's me, me and her is good and we are good. And then I would go downstairs and into my car in the driveway and the garage and just break down. Just break down. Like this cannot be my life. So at the same time I started going to Annie Stanley. North Point Community Church in Atlanta. And my mom and I would go faithfully every week and just allow the Lord to just do a work in me. And I just wanted the Lord to do a work in me. I was like, Lord, I'll do just do, just do this work in me. Change my heart. Tell me that you've got more for me. You know, tell me that this is not the end of the story. And I would lay there at night, you know, and by this time my mom had moved out because she's like, no, I can't live with you either, girl. Are you crazy? <laughs> and so I would lay there at night by myself, and she's like, and I would just be like, Lord okay, like, tell me I can do this. And he was like, you can more than do this. And he goes, and I'll never forget this moment. And I don't even know if I shared this with y'all, but I was watching American Idol and it was like Adam, that guy with the black hair or whatever. He was like <laughs> punk rocker guy. And he was like really scary. And then like the baby was like, all, Riley was like moving all inside of me. And she, I was like, are you scared? Cause I'm scared. This guy's scaring me. <laughs> and, um, so I turned it off and it was pitch black and I was just laying there. And, um, I said, Lord, help me. I need you. Please help me. And he goes, you're going to see. You're going to see how big I am. You're going to see it. He goes, you just got to trust me. you just got to trust. And we're taught that knowing all the details is in direct opposition from faith faith and trust. And so he's not going to ever give us all the details. We're never going to know all the details. And so at that moment, I just was like, okay, that's it. I don't need to know all the details. I'm just going to lean in. I'm going to try to heal, and I'm going to be fine. So the baby comes. And Mike was at the hospital that day, of course, and he was there all three days. And he had started dating somebody else at the time, and I was like, okay, well, i got my bag, and I'm ready, and we're going to go home, and it's Riley. Oh, Riley, Riley, big bright eyes. Riley, Riley changed our lives. We have a song for her, and she did change our lives. She was a catalyst for a new beginning, and I just want to say right now, I have it on my heart to somebody that's listening right now that... um A baby, for us, changed everything. God's new life. He gave us new life. He gave us new hope. He gave us new opportunity. And for somebody that's listening out there, that may be not your story, and maybe you're thinking that's not the way it's supposed to be. It is the way it is supposed to be. It is absolutely the way it's supposed to be. And so Riley was just awesome and um, so bright, and so bright, bright bright-eyed. She had these big bright eyes. And so we took her home, and I was like, Mike, I'm good. I'm strong. I can do this, and we can, you know, co-parent this baby because he fell in love instantly as soon as he got her. He did not want to let her go. It was it for him. He was done. And he goes, no, I um, I went to um, Einstein Brothers Bagels. I don't know why I know that detail, but I do. <laughs> he's like, I went to Einstein Brothers Bagels. That's 10 years ago. And um, I told the girl, like, you know, I'm, when, I've am i got to go and I'm going to be with you. And he's like, if you'll have me, I want to try to make this work. And I really didn't want anything more in the world than for us to be a family and to be together. But at the same time, I was just like, I was starting to get like hurt. Still still hadn't really cleaned up from my childhood. Still carrying some baggage that I really didn't even know that I was carrying. And so he, I I said, yes, let's do this. Uh, Let's let's make it happen. And then within literally less than two years, so that was 2009, July of 2009, um, I, I move into management. I get a, a, a position opens up in Birmingham. And so from 2009 to January of 2011, that's like less than two years, we, we plan a wedding, we get married. Weeks before we get married, I find out I'm pregnant with Ryan. Mm -hmm. Ryan is born in 2010. So the babies are 15 and a half months apart. Riley is like sitting on like this, this picture with all, she has all these jewels on on the beach and the, and then her eyes are like piercing blue. And I'll just, that picture of her at that beach, that, that wedding. And it's another story for another day, but she's like, wait a minute, mom, I'm 10 and y'all haven't quite (laughs) celebrated your 10th wedding anniversary. What's up? Because babies only come for when you're married. And I go, you're right. And God, Knew we were getting married. So he was like, just gave us a little, little gift beforehand. He's like, he, he wanted you at the wedding. So there you go. So yeah, she is such a hoot. she's so smart. I'm like, so, she's so smart. But anyway, so um we get married. Ryan's born later that year and then paychecks re locates us to Birmingham and that was my one of my very first little hires Jessica back there and I came into that position like on fire I'm like I'm gonna let's do this it's Birmingham it's a new place we don't even know anything about Birmingham we have no people Um, but got plugged into Church of the Highlands pretty quickly and um, which was thank you Jesus thank you Jesus for church just church just the body of Christ and um and so, so, so grateful for, for the church family and for, and for great pastors out there who speak the word of God. But I was, we were challenged pretty early on to, you know, to get plugged in, but really I still had not cleaned up that baggage. And so very quickly we, it was not like this harmony and bliss Very, very quickly, all of that sin, all of that darkness, the moving the two kids under two, the new job, you know, responsible for a big quota, all of these things came and piled in on me. And I will never forget y'all. I was riding with one of my reps and I just have like a full blown Byron, bless his heart, he had to take me to the hospital crazy. But I thought I was dying. I thought I was dying. And I was, and I've come to find out I was, I didn't know what it was. It was a panic attack. And I had had this, all of this was coming and then at night we'd go home and Mike and I were fighting and the marriage is totally falling apart. It is completely crumbling. I'm thinking that this baby and this new start and this fresh, you know, place and this new place and all of this was going to make this happen. And it, it certainly did not. It certainly did not. I had so much hurt in my heart still, and I knew it was bitterness, but I didn't really know what to call it, but I was bitter toward him. I was bitter toward him for those, that time he wasn't with us and that he didn't make the right decision, and he, and he just ripped my heart out, and I, and I was just angry, and I was I was so angry. I had so much anger, and I lived with that anger, and I just wanted to take it out on him, and... So stressed out all the time and just physically sick, and it was 2013, and we had would go, been going to church, and and we had taken the one year challenge, but I knew I needed to get into a small group. I had never done a small group before, I'd never even done a women's Bible study that in my life, which was weird because I was like 30, 32 years old at that point. You'd think, I mean, you'd think I would have done something. I love people, I love to be around people. Well, I had never done a, a small group, so I got plugged into a small group, and I learned that all of this darkness and all of this hurt and all of this pain from my past, from my childhood, um, and, and and the trauma that I had experienced and then just hurt after hurt after disappointment after disappointment was just inside of me. And it was in a place that I did not allow God to move in. It's a place I did not allow him to open up and to heal me from all of that hurt. And so, um, the marriage is, the marriage is, I, I, I'll be very honest and I'll be very vulnerable. I didn't even really want to look at him, let alone be intimate with him, you know, and that was just such a, it was a, such a heartbreaking time for us. But I just kept going. I just kept taking that next step. I just kept moving in the right direction. And God was calling my heart. He's like, do you remember? Remember when I told you? Like, you can't imagine. You can't imagine the more that I have for you. Do you remember that? I said, yeah, I do. But you're going to have to show me quick because I'm like, oh, I'm dying up here. <laughs> like, today, can you make it all better? He's like, just got to go. You got to do, do what I need you to do. I went to small group. I took that mask off, this mask that I had been wearing, because on the surface, like I told you back in high school and back in middle school, and always a performer, always a showboat, always putting on a show, this mask of this I won all these drama awards, i never forget. And um, it was, but it was a show. Because I would go home and I would, I was such a, felt like I was such a fearless person. I had so much fear inside of me and so much hurt and so much pain. And I finally was able to talk to this first, first time ever tell my story. I would never told anybody the story about my childhood. I'd never told anybody the story that Mike and I weren't married when I found out I was pregnant with Riley. Nobody ever knew that story. And... that's why my verse is so important because it is the testimony. It's the testimony. It's the telling of our stories that restores hope and gives people hope. And, um, so I went and I got Healed, And I knew about um, the power of words. I started to understand that you just can't say mean things to people. And yes, we can forgive each other, but you just can't cut people down and, and prey on people's insecurities. And that's what I was doing. I would just, you know, every bad thing that he was, I would just say, oh, you're this and that. And, you know, and he would come back at me. And so then he went through a small group and, and then he got, you know, healed from in his past and the shame and the guilt and all the things that he was holding on to. And then just more and more and more did I see God move move. He would just move. And I, I, I couldn't believe, but by the time like two or three years go by and we go through freedom, this curriculum and we go through small groups and then I started leading small groups and I'm just leaning in and I'm taking next steps. Um, God has just continued, he healed my marriage. He made us fall in love all over again. He, I, I, my prayer was that, that I could see him that day. Like, he was, like, he, he had this Jeep, this old just, like, clunker Jeep when he pulled up in my house in 2007. And it was, like, this um, U-Haul. And if y'all know my husband, he's so talented in so many things. But he, like, does not build or fix or drive U-Hauls. I mean, he he was a hot mess coming up that drive. He's, like, fishtailing, running over the neighbor's plants. He's all, I'm like, oh, oh, But then he, like, put that sucker in park, and he got out of the car, and I'm, like, ah! so exciting. And I just prayed. I said, God, I just want to see with him with a newness. Yeah. I want to see him with a newness. And the Bible, there's a parable that Jesus tells about new wine. And then you can't put new wine into old wine skins because if you do, the wine skins will burst. So you've got to put new wine into new wine skins. And it, the, the, basically the story is telling that the old doctrine you can't attach the old doctrine to the new doctrine that Jesus came and that's it. You just have to believe in him and love him and follow him and take up your cross. Uh, And, and you can be healed and you can, and he can offer you the fullness, the full weight of who he is that you'll never be able to get from this world. And I just am so grateful to God that he allowed me to go through what I went through because I have this story now to tell that he can mend anything that's broken. He can heal any marriage that is going through a tough time that just because it is, you feel like you're in like the most hopeless place you could possibly be. And y'all, I promise you, and maybe I'm not describing it as well as I possibly could in this setting, but it was bad. I did not want to be, I didn't want to be there anymore. I didn't want to be in that anymore. And just the fighting and the yelling and the arguing and the, and the meanness. And I didn't want my kids to see it because I knew the, de- the detrimental effects of having those words and having and seen fighting growing up and seen And I knew how terrible that was going to be if my kids saw that, because they would then carry that on. And I'm this, you know, generation where I've got to stop it. It stops with me. And we've got to breathe life into these children. We've got to breathe life into each other. And we don't prey on each other's insecurities. We build each other up. We lift each other up. Things I would have never known. I would have never known if I didn't get into a group of women who poured into me Mm -hmm. and spoke Spoke truth into me and allowed me that place for me to be set free. And so that is my story. And if y'all have any questions, I would love to answer them. To God be the glory. And I do just want to read you my verse. And I'll pass around a picture of my sweet papa. It went to be um, with the Lord in 2007. He died um, in his sleep. I have a heart attack. And I was telling the girls, I was like, if you tell me somebody died, I'm sorry. I'm going to Google it until I find out how, because I, like, need to know all the details. Like, I get stuck. I'm so sorry. So if y'all didn't need to know those details, if I just traumatized you just now, <laughs> he did. But the verse is Revelation twelve eleven. It says, they triumphed over him, him being the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. And I will tell you, I take up my cross every day. I take up my cross. I give God the glory. He has done such a mighty work in my life, such a mighty work in my life that there is hope, there is restoration, there is redemption. And I posted recently about Riley because she is our redemption song. And what, what I thought, this is, this is not the way it was supposed to be. This is not the way it's supposed to be. God said, no, it's exactly the way it's supposed to be. Watch this. I'm doing a new thing. And I'm making a way in the wilderness. And there's promises that you'll never be able to get from this world if you just lean in. So that's it. I Love y'all. Um, does anybody
0: have a question? We are going to have the dig deeper session. So if you're staying and you have a question, you can hold it till then. But if you're leaving and you like to ask, go for it.
1: I'm really commendable about you being so honest. Thank you so much. I mean, that's just beyond the words of impressive, and um, you can you can see, feel, feel here the strength and the faith that you have in the Lord and your fellow constituents. Um, yeah, you know, Mad Cross. Thank you so much, Jill. Very and I will tell you, there were so many years that I didn't lean on the Lord. That I led, you know, by what I wanted to do, and like I was a very big controller. And that was one of the spirits that I really needed to like the that control, that, that feeling inside that, like, it's my way or the highway. If you don't like it, you can lump it. Like, you know, that is it. Like get out my way, you know, move, get out my way. And, um, and I was so grateful to let that go. And even in my marriage, and thank you so much for saying that Jill, that blesses me. But even in my marriage, I've had to give him to the Lord. I've had to give him to the Lord every day. I give him to the Lord. I give my babies to the Lord every day. I said, Lord, I get on my knees and I say, I give you my heart, my soul, my mind, my body my spirit it's yours take it take me take me Lord take my husband take take my Lord today I give you this day Lord I, all of it all of it's yours this house is yours my body's yours my use me you know use me and that is not the way I used to treat myself um, let alone anybody else that was you know in my path and i I say this jokingly now but um, I use this is my my attitude used to be. Um, if y'all would just straighten up and stop being so crazy, yeah. then I wouldn't yell at you. Yeah. You know, like get your stuff together, you crazy people. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the only normal one in my whole family. We, our family, by the way, is like a mix of like my big fat Greek wedding and Sopranos without the violence. <laughs> We're so loud, like lose your breath, lose your turn, and loud. And we like eat food, <laughs> like it is. And so it was just, um, it was just in our DNA until the Lord said no, let go go like, oh, that, control, I'm in control. And what a freeing feeling that I don't have to run this show. Lord, thank you. I do not want to run this show. I have a question. Has your story and just all that you've been through, how has that affected your relationship with your mom and her past and her hurt? Thank you so much for bringing that up, Leighton. My mama is, um, it's it's wonderful how God has used me as a vessel in in my family. And, um, we hear it all the time from our pastor. He says, you know, if the people around you don't love the Lord, we're missing out, you know, don't expand my territory. Don't give me influence to, you know, go and spread the gospel. If I can't get my own people to love the Lord, if I can't act, walk the walk and talk the talk. And so I think in all of our lives and we never arrive, we're never going to arrive, but I do speak life and love into my mama. um, because she has, you know, of course was affected by all of that. And, um, and so it, it gives me a great opportunity to love her and to love her well and to speak truth. I mean, and she knows and mommy, I, I know that you're going to listen to this and I just want to honor you and tell you how much I love you. And thank you so much for, for always being there for us kids. But you know, I do. I'm, I'm like, nah, cause it was so funny. We were talking and uh, I love that you're going to hear this mommy. But she said, and she's like, I don't want to be around people. I don't want to tell people my story. And I'm like, okay, well, the Bible says we need to be around people, Mommy. So you're going to have to be around people. you know." So I encourage her to do a small group and, and to get plugged in as well because there's such freedom in being around people who love you and let you be vulnerable. Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. Yes. Any more questions? After your um, panic attack and just, like, the change and, like, a lot of things, Lord, like, just slowly but surely, what was your husband's perspective on, like, your big change in your marriage that second time?
1: Yes. What? So good, Holly. Thank you. I kind of, like, steam. Yes. I steamrolled through that part because, again, I think, and it was Nancy that told her story recently in Memphis, maybe. She said there's just, like, so many layers to this thing. I mean, there are layers upon layers of God showing up constantly. And I have this profound, deep respect for mental health and wellness because I used to judge and point the finger at people who would have panic attacks. My sister, since she was the time she was 15 years old because of the trauma we experienced, started having panic attacks. She couldn't drive down the road unless there were exits, like strategically on the road. My mom would have to follow her to college. Like there's a lot of things. So, um, but in that moment, I mean, he knew he was supporting me and he, you know, as best he could. Uh, But that was, that was a period where I was like, oh God, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop running so hard. I'm going to stop trying to, because I was getting back into that performance trap again where I'm like, if I just do the work, if I just do this, if I, if I work harder, if I, you know, go to church, if I, you know, ask God to forgive me all the time, I was always times, I'm all the time saying, sorry, I'm so sorry. Ooh, I messed up. I'm so sorry. And he's like, "I I can't like settle rest in me, rest in me. And so it wasn't so much like, it was definitely the steps. It was like going to small group and then him going to small group and us going through freedom and him going through freedom and, you know, taking off that mask and allowing God to move. I had to be the change. That was a critical part of our marriage. I had to not be the person who retaliated. I had to not be the person who fought back. I had to, and I'm so much better at it now but at that point that was the huge turning point in our marriage where i was still fighting really ugly really really ugly yeah. but that was a point where god broke me down he like he's like okay now you ready to, you ready to go there? You ready to get, you ready to go and, and get everything I've got for you? And I was like, yes, I am. I'm ready. <laughs> Panic attack. I get you. I'm here. I'm here. Lord, don't want to do that again. And so then I did, I had to be the change. I had to stop. I had to not talk. I had to start working out. I had to be, do the exercise. I had to do all the things, girl. And then as he saw Jesus moving in me, he was like, a, I need to be the man. Yeah. I need to be the man for her. She needs to be. I need to, I need to go work out. I need to go do that. Oh, she's, it's true. Mm-hmm. Jesus does heal. He does restore. He's making it happen. You know, he's making a way. So mm-hmm. that's gonna Be the change.
0: Mandy's story is a beautiful picture of God's redeeming love for his children. He longs for each of us to give him access to all areas of our lives, including our past. I don't know why we try to hang on to the past, but we do. When we surrender it to the Lord, as Mandy's story reflected, true transformation can begin to take place. As always, we are so appreciative of our listeners, of your ratings, your reviews, our subscribers. And please feel free to reach out to us at any time through social media or through the contact form on our website, which is StorytellersLive.org. We thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next week for another new episode of Storytellers Live.